Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Transclusive Podcasts. Today, my special guest is Oscar Hoyle, who um, refers to themselves as queer activist, and they are also director of Blossom LGBT, um, which is a CIC, which is Community Interest Company. So hi, Oscar, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me on. You're very welcome. So how how's, how's things going in Oscar's world? Busy, busy at the moment. I'm sure we'll get more into it as we chat today. But yeah, yeah lots of things going on at the moment, which is great. So let, let's start with um, Blossom LGBT, and and it's a CIC. Yeah. So you're you were the you were the founder, the founding director of the organisation. Could you could you just kind of talk to us about you know how you formed it and the reasons why and you know. I believe it started off as Rainbow Citizens. So could you just kind of explain that kind of journey that it went through? Yeah, so additionally, additionally, originally what it was was that I was looking for a way to connect the LGBTQ plus community. And I, being the sort of person that I am, went big as soon as I could. And I thought, I'm going to set up the, the queer version of Reddit sort of thing, right. um, which is what Rainbow Citizens was initially going to be. So it was an internet forum where anyone could join on and just get have some space, essentially. And as I set it up, it was it was going okay, but it wasn't really finding its feet. There just wasn't that sort of focus i suppose towards a a particular issue or subject that people really felt passionately about it was just come and chat and there's definitely space for that but it was really hard to reach people so i i sort of reflected and looked at what my priorities are and at the time i was youth working quite a lot um particularly with lgbtq plus groups and what i was noticing was that young people were turning 18 And that's when youth work provision ends. And when they turned 18, they were using the same services that adults use, which is fine if you're an 18-year-old who's really mature. But actually, for a lot of 18-year-olds, the issues, the things that they care about, the things that they face in life are very different to something that a 40, 50-year-old experience. Mm -hmm. So the idea originally was what we're going to do is we're going to create a group which was a stepping stone into adult services so people come to us and we don't solve problems we provide social sober spaces and from that point we talk with people and it might be that they just come along and play card games and it's good fun but it might also be that they have housing issues yeah. Um, and we can then refer them on to a, a housing provider that we know through screening is LGBTQ plus friendly. Right. Um, and it really took off from there. It was really natural. So pre-lockdown, we were running with sort of weekly basis, just this one group. Um, and it was going really well. And then we all got shut indoors. So we went virtual. And whilst um, Blossom was virtual, it became clear that there were other issues that Blossom was really well suited to address. So things like employability and coping aspects like uh, mindfulness, because they were really relevant to what we were experiencing during lockdown. So we started formulating a plan 
and essentially decided to launch more in, more workshops and that was things like cv writing financing mm-hmm. um but also creative workshops so things like queer art and performing arts mm-hmm. workshops as well and mm-hmm. um, because it it kind of combined that really nice element of coming together as a community still but exploring something that gave someone peace i suppose yeah i think i think art and kind of arty crafty things those those are really good to kind of get people together and do something that they've maybe not done before it kind of really brings people out of their kind of shell i guess yeah and it has such a historic place in the lgbtq plus yeah. community as well and yeah. um, you know the first pride flag in a way was a collage of colors fab- colored fabrics yeah. so it just felt right yeah so i guess you're focusing on safe and inclusive spaces sober spaces mm-hmm. you know and what what's the age group that you're kind of dealing with it's very difficult it depends on the group that we talk about so our our what we do once a week is we take over a calf in the evenings very okay. similar you're based in surrey aren't you yeah yeah, yeah. but it's a closed calf so there's no one else there um we take it over and that's solely for 18 to 25 year olds. So right. that's like our feed in group from youth services. Um, our target market for everything else that we do is still 18 to 25, but they're more open. So the art workshop people of any age can come to, or we recently um, for LGBT hist- uh, pride month took over an entire art gallery and did oh. a queer art exhibition for Sounds our workshops. Like oh, it was so good. And everyone was welcome to that. So yeah. although we target 18 to 25 year olds, the group is very, um, very open in a lot of aspects. But we also, alongside all of that, run a group for parents and carers of LGBTQ plus people. Um, and that's anyone age is welcome. Surprisingly, it predominantly attracts parents of trans people, particularly young people. I would say most of them have trans young people under the age of 18 at that yeah. group. So you're supporting families and friends of LGBT um, kids, I guess, young people? Yeah, we're stealing from a flag. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sounds it sounds very similar to, I guess, what Tea and Coffee does, which is run by Sammy, and they're in Surrey too. Mm-hmm. It sounds quite similar to that. And I know you, you, you know them, don't you? You've, you've worked together in the past. Yeah, it, it is in an extent very similar. Surprisingly, um, Sammy and I set up our services at very, very similar times. Right. So, um, I I mean, I Sammy was definitely a couple of steps ahead of me, but that's because Sammy really has her head screwed on. So I mean, tea and coffee is not really for 18 to 25. It's, it's, I think it's for the older population. I mean, yeah, I, I've been I've been along several times and I'm definitely not 18 to 25. So it, it's Are more sure? of a yeah. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> so it's more it's more of an online um i guess gathering community thing rather than anything else it's a lot of fun there's a lot of spin-offs from it that have, that have happened but yeah it seems it sounds like your you know blossom is is similar to that but i guess you you've gone that extra step and become a cic yes now do you are you involved is that kind of involved with some kind of government um or how does it how do you get your like i want for want of a better word clients where do, yeah. they, where do they come from so 
we take referrals in from anyone and anyone can self-refer to us right. as well. So all that someone has to do is get in touch to join our groups. But I would say a fair few of the people who attend our services are actually referred to us in through Surrey Police having okay. um, experienced hate crime based off of their identity is predominantly why people get in okay. touch with us. Um, we've also had uh, the youth services also like to feed into us when they have a young person they know that the support needs to continue for they'll send them our way but formally we don't formally have a referral pathway in from a government agency or anything like that right so there's no involvement with GICs or anything like that it's, it's just kind of your, your own thing and you get referrals from you know like you say police and other services yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time helping people put in their GIC um, application. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time supporting with things like that, but we don't have a direct partnership with them. I no. guess you, I guess you're very similar to LGBT Foundation in Manchester. They do they do kind of very similar things to what you you do, I think, because they, they they you know what you just said about G, GRA applications. Yeah, they have sessions for that and voice therapy and all kinds of different things. Yeah, it sounds like a very similar. We, we are to an extent, I think our main thing is we're user-led. So we do what people want us to do. So right. it can be quite difficult for us to pin down exactly who we're like because the parents group was because our members were telling us right. that parents needed support. So we set it up. Um, so really, it's very much a case of we are like different services and different aspects of what we do, but mostly it's because we're asked to do these things and we can't find someone that's like in our immediate area that's doing it. And if somebody wanted to come and volunteer with Blossom, how would they go about doing that? Every, all of the contact details are on our website. So blossom.lgbt. Um, we've got a contact us page so you can get in touch. We're, if I'm completely honest, we're actually oversaturated at yeah. the moment we so many people believe in what we do well, that's that, good. yeah it, i mean it's a it's a fantastic problem to have right um we're kind of at the point where we've had to stop taking um new volunteers for our social oh, wow. groups um because we just were like we, we can't train people as quickly as people are applying which is fab so that's, really that, that's a nice it. problem to have isn't it yeah exactly <laughs> So, I mean, you're currently in Surrey, but are you, do you have plans to expand out into the nether regions of uh, the UK? So we're exploring it. Yeah, we. Um, I, I made a joke to you earlier that we're looking at the, the Weight Watchers methodology yeah. of letting <laughs> people take our group and um, running a very similar one. Um, really, it all depends on which directions that we go as we grow. So the goal is that. But I'm aware that we're also, as a team, very politically minded and being a CIC directly contradicts what we want to do at times so there's always conversations ongoing about sort of the, that future direction how we grow where we change aspects like that yeah and how are you how are you funded are you, are you funded through donation mainly so um it depends on the different workshops so our um our art queer art programs are yep. all funded by the national lottery at the oh, moment um oh, and cool. yeah and previously they were funded by arts council england is that something um, you apply for every year it is yeah whether yeah. or not we'll apply again for um lotto funding is i'm not sure about i have um conflicting views because of the funding of um well what i would call hate groups yeah. through some of their funding streams so 
I really want to make sure that the money we take is ethically sourced. Um, right. That can be difficult sometimes. Yeah. Um, our social group is funded by an annual fundraiser. So we did a queer comedy night uh, in January. Um, there's a fantastic trans comedian called Jenny Hart. Um, very unpolitically correct. Do not Google her if you're around family members. Um, but she really, really like pulled it out of the bag for us secured us some fantastic comedians and we raised uh over two thousand pounds that wow. evening that's good yeah and then alongside it i offer things like training and consultancy to businesses right. um schools colleges and, and that funds the rest of the work that we do okay excellent i mean yeah you know that expansion thing i think is really difficult sometimes for you know organizations like yours like how how to do it and how to fund it and you know some of the kind of logistics around doing it it's not it's not an easy thing to do um but you know manchester is probably a really good place to do something you know i'm open to helping you out with something if you want to you know do that i'm sure we can oh, you heard it here first everyone <laughs> yeah, i mean obviously you, i mean people who use the service they, they don't have to pay for anything do they it's all free no everything we do is free um but yeah but we do offer people the option to chip in if they want to yeah, so okay. um people that come to our art workshops might chip in a fiver and then that pays for the resources and things like that but we never tell people they have to pay for anything and we do yeah excellent and then what about what about um Gadio? you um you won an award recently i believe um my pride hero 2022 yeah so some of your listeners might be um might know Claire, fantastic Claire. Yeah. Um, she nominated me for this, um, partly because of the work that I do with Blossom, right. but also partly because of the wider activism work that I do. Um, it was a surprise. So I got a phone call. Um, I was actually walking home from the shop, got a random phone call, and it was Claire. She was laughing away. And I was like, Claire, it's really weird because your caller ID comes up as Gadio. Um <laughs> And as I said that, <laughs> yeah, as I said that, the radio presenter interrupted me um, <laughs> and told me that, you know, Claire had written this really, really lovely um, summary of the work that I do both at Blossom and outside of Blossom. Um, and that a pan an independent panel thought that they agreed that the work that I did was amazing. And so very um humbling moment for me um yeah. and i won some free tickets to brighton pride out of it as well all oh, right so. <laughs> was, that, was that the did you go to was that the main pride or the, yes yeah i was at the trans pride this year i didn't go to the main one but yeah it's, it's really nice going down there yeah i also went to the trans pride this year um yeah, I, right. yeah, it, it was, was amazing it was there's so much stuff going on you know the march and then that massive big park at the end full of all the stands and it's really yeah Oh, and the turnout as well. The turnout was huge. I think it was um, much bigger than they were expecting. I think they was it twenty thousand or something or more. I do remember something like that. Yeah, yeah. Much I bigger. mean, it's we need it. Um, well, we, yeah, we do. We really need that visibility from trans people, but allies as well. So any opportunity for us all to get together, I think, is really important to take. Talking of opportunities to get together, we were recently at uh, Trans in the City, weren't we? yeah weekend monday that was such an amazing event i'm constantly just blown away 
by you know the what their entire team i mean yeah, of course it's amazing work don't you bobby yeah, of course bobby doing like everything under the sun which is amazing yes. but um i'm actually close friends with sarah maslin who's another oh, right. one of yeah. her directors yep. um and hearing all of the work that she was doing leading up to it as well and no doubt all of their team was um it really does take a village and i mean to get what 600 of us in a building the biggest yeah. gathering of trans and non-binary people and allies outside of a pride event um yeah, that's, a, that's a mission and there's they pulled some, it off some big big names there too i mean there was some politicians there emily thornbury was there yeah i Mike was sort Cashman. of there was all kinds of people there it was uh and she knows this because I've messaged her before, but she probably doesn't know who I am. But I saw Linda Riley, and I'm just Linda so, Riley, yep, so starstruck by her. Poor Linda probably is going to end up. Linda. She's going to take out a cease and desist against me at some point because I talk so highly of her, having <laughs> never met her. Um, she's really approachable too. You can yeah go and say hi to her. She's really nice. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I did spend some part of the evening sort of star spotting from the corner, to be honest with it's you. It's hard not to with all those people. There's so many familiar faces. I know. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the same room as Fox Fisher. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was really, what I thought was really nice was to see Emily, little Emily, win her award. Because last year she was nominated and she, unfortunately she didn't get anything last year, but this year she won. I thought that was brilliant. She got a standing ovation. I mean, Amazing. so deserved. Really, really, really deserved. well deserved, yeah. I think. Um, again, someone that I really, I, I, I say look up to, but she's shorter than me, but look up to <laughs> in the sense that yeah, it's so brave. To Can you imagine doing that at, at that age? No, no, not at all. I think by that age, all I'd accomplished was like winning a local CAFs drawing competition because I... Yeah, I mean, imagine like imagine at Emily's age standing in front of that, that massive audience and doing the speech that she did. That is so brave. Oh. I could not have done that. Not, not I'd struggle now. Never mind. I, I think having to walk up there, my legs would have been jelly and I probably yeah. would have fallen down before I even got to the stage. So, yeah, if I had to do it. She's the star of the future, is Emily. I hope so. She's going to be the next Bobby Pickard if we can. She is. Sure she is. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other really one, the, the other one that was really kind of nice to hear was the one. Um, it was the CEO award mm. by Sue, Bob, um, Janet, and Bruce Kent. And Bruce's speech that was amazing. It so was. I wasn't sure if it was going to end because it, yeah, it was it, like somebody had said... to drag him off the stage in the end. Yeah. Think. <laughs> he said something like so amazing and perfect everyone clapped and then he said something else that was just, he was just like on. he was owning that stage for a few minutes there uh i don't blame really? him at all like so that he's part of f flag isn't he yes and the, yeah uh, where are they based are they based in surrey as well no so um i think they they have oh, little hubs over bristol. the whole country but they were from bristol from memory yeah, I think I think Bobby is involved with that organization. She might be one of their um what do you call it? Not a sponsor, but a oh, trustees. Trustees, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, was, it was really it was really really good. I really enjoyed it. Um you know, next year I'm not sure where it's gonna be, but it's it's just gonna continue getting bigger. My company was one of the sponsors this year. How was it? I work for BAE Systems. Oh, so fantastic. they put they they put some money in. They've never done that before. You know, they're they're slowly kind of getting more involved with these things, mainly because I keep pushing them. 
<laughs> so I went, I went up to the to our DNI manager at my site and I said, "Do you have any spare money left from from this year's budget?" And he says, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, well, I need about three grand, please, to sponsor this event." And he was he was so accepting and said, "Yeah, sure, no problem, we can do that." We you know we had a call with Bobby and and got everything set up. So it was really good to see them getting involved for once. Mm. So I'm, they, but they really need to do some more, you know. So I'm working on it. I think it's so important that these big companies look at yeah. uh, organizations like like Trends in the City, Tea and Coffee, Blossom, whichever, um, and really see the value that they bring. Because honestly, without these smaller organizations, um, and I, I, I shouldn't say smaller because Trends in the City is not small, but, no, but without these organizations, the the um lgbtq plus but at the moment particularly trans and non-binary people that use these services they're vital to them and if we don't keep supporting them and that that support mechanism isn't always going to be there and we need it to be yeah so i think it's just going to get bigger and better they'll be they'll be at the o2 next year you watch do you imagine we can get um Bobby to sort of sail in on <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her, to be honest. I would not put it past her. Absail down from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Next year, stay tuned. I'll organize that myself, I think. <laughs> so do you do you have any kind of plans for 2023 with your organizations and the things that you, you know, your activism? Any any big ideas coming up? I think 2023 is the year that I'm going to be pushing myself more in terms of my activism work. I think think um, we all need to do it, don't we? We all need to kind of increase what we do and do a bit more. Oh, totally. There are some people that will say we have the voices, but we need to direct them in the right way. I completely disagree with that. I think that we need as many voices as we can looking at every different avenue. Um, so something that I'm really passionate about and that I'm going to be looking into over the next year or so is how do we build up trans and non-binary activists mm. in a way that they are confident and competent to deliver. And, support, and supported as well by yeah. organisations like yours. I think it's really important that, that you've got something to fall back on. Yeah. Because if you're just trying to do activism on your own, it's very it's very difficult sometimes because... You don't have a you don't have that support team behind. You might get into legal problems. You know, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong. So having a, a proper organisation behind you that can come and help out and give, guide you, I think that's really important. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I there are things that I think we as a community can really benefit from by working together in terms of activism. I, I mean, I know today I did an interview with a local newspaper. Right. Um, and I, following the interview, I met with like this horrible feeling of anxiety because I'm thinking to myself, what if I get sued now? What if I've, you know, what if I've put, made a real clangor and there isn't a support necessarily support except for the support mechanisms that I've built for myself by building a community around yeah. me. Yeah. Um, that's scary. Well, and it's worrying, isn't it? It's worrying, isn't it? Oh, totally. You get into some legal hot water, let's say. You know the the cost of defending yourself is is you know it's astronomical. It would be cheaper to move to Mexico, so you know, <laughs> I'm applying for visas. Um, but Pretty good changing names. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long process, um, but yeah, it's really important that we have that because I think if I wasn't so hard headed, 
it would have put me off a long time ago. And I don't think that people need to have the thickest skin imaginable to do what I do, but it definitely helps at the moment. It does. Um, and I mean, if it's enough, I hate to say it, I'm incredibly self-confident too, too much. So, um, <clears throat> and if it scares me, then I dread to think how it might make someone who hasn't got as much confidence as me feel doing these things. I think, you know, you well, especially for me, my confidence has really, you know, it's been boosted when I transitioned. I, my, my, I just became, I was before I was just like, had no confidence at all. I was always the quiet person in the room, wouldn't speak. Once I transitioned, it was like a, it was like a transformation. I suddenly found my confidence Some somebody just arrived in the post one day, <laughs> you know, it's like, and it wasn't Amazon that delivered it either. It's just, you know, it's just, I think it's that, you know, you kind of released from the suppression almost and you suddenly find your voice. It's it's quite, it's quite amazing. It's something that I noticed since coming out as non-binary. So um it, it's it's no lie i came out as non-binary at about 20 21 22 mm -hmm. yeah um and prior to that i always said you know i i, I always said i don't fit how i feel a man is and i don't i know that i don't fit how i think a woman is i just never knew um that there was something else because the language wasn't available and because of that, I found myself really pushing for me to fit into a gender norm that just wasn't right for me. And that took a lot of my confidence away. I think being able to shed that and say, actually, do you know what? Like, I'm just me and I'm, you know, I'm queer, non-binary, however I want to call it. Yeah. Um, it removed a level of expectation from my shoulders that I felt like I had to conform to. Um and really, really let me sort of gain that level of confidence to say, do you know what? I'm me, like it or leave it. And that's applied in, that has sort of seeped through, I suppose, into every aspect or facet of what I do. Yeah, so did you go through a lot of kind of struggles to get to where you are today, non-binary? So, I mean, I was born and, and raised in a fantastic home in the sense that everything I ever wanted was there for me. My parents were really loving. Mm -hmm. um, however, they didn't get LGBTQ plus stuff. And mm -hmm. they, when I when I told them, uh, well, actually, we'll go back a bit further. I was yeah. outed um, aged 14 right. um, to everyone at school. And it kind of left me with no choice, but to tell at home because it was kind of a case of the teachers said to us like look we can see how depressed and upset you are and we're really worried about you so it's our duty to have to tell your parents if you don't tell them so yeah. i did um that this was one teacher so the rest of the teachers didn't know and you know my parents were really helpful in the sense that they helped me write a letter to the school to let all of the teachers know things like that but they didn't get it um they've really really tried and they really wanted to be supportive um but they went about it in a way that wasn't right at the time and that's because they didn't have the opportunity to learn by the time i had come out to them at 14 i'd known for a few years that i was lgbt so i'd already thought things through and worked them out had my own time to discover myself they didn't get that they had to be ready when i was ready yeah and being quite an insecure 14 year old with all of these hormones i definitely didn't account for the time that they needed and it meant that i didn't see at the time that they were trying um so 
I left home um, unofficially sort of like 16, 17 and pretty much sofa surfed. So I stayed around my friend's house probably three or four nights a week um, just because at the time for me, it felt like the best thing for my mental health. I spent a lot of time in Brighton yeah. getting myself involved with fantastic, you know, queer um trans non-binary gay lesbian people yeah um but across the party scene it comes with things like alcohol and drugs so i had had a fair time doing that but actually decided quite luckily decided it wasn't for me um and it wasn't until i sort of found my current partner and we settled down in surrey that i started to have like the peace of mind and understanding of the whole community to really understand where I fit as non-binary so actually coming out as non-binary was the easiest part because I didn't necessarily come out I just said I'm me this is how I've always been um you know I don't really care what you think about it it's just me and you know I said that to everyone no one had a problem so non-binary was the easiest part which is so stark different to most people's experiences but I think by the time I got to that point people sort of expected me to come out with weird stuff and do the most anyway (laughs) so it was no surprise this was the least uh, shocking I think from me and do you think that what you went through is that is that kind of aided your activism today is that is that where the foundation of your activism came from so definitely i think when i spent as soon as i came out i started going to um a youth group in brighton called all sorts and they still run to this day if you're brighton or sussex based you need to check them out because they are amazing they do so much for young people and i fell in with this group of people and they did things like took me to my first ever trans rights protest and um we really really sort of always focused on the community and whilst in Brighton I met um, a lot of trans and non-binary people so we used to go to a pub gosh the name of it's gone but it was run by trans women yeah um so typical gin drinkers no doubt yeah yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) um so I met these amazing trans people and they always just included me it was never a problem you know it didn't matter that I was like a bit weird a bit emo um anything like that they just took me for who I was and I at the time and I still have a lot of this privilege had the privilege of being cis passing which I still have now being white um and you know being male passing so that gave me a lot of privilege to sit back and I guess from an external perspective see the experiences of trans and non-binary people and um, it gave me such a feeling of injustice so that's definitely what sparked it yeah and then I think I've always kind of been in a little LGBT bubble since so um, it's kept the spark alive and it's just grown and grown really grown into this you know founding mess (laughs) mess <laughs> dumpster awesome. fire yeah, <laughs> yeah i think i think that that there's a similar theme there with a lot of people that i've done these podcasts with you know where they where now and now they you know they've become like really well-known activists or quite well known in the community but they they all kind of started from that same kind of place that you did you know or, or i did and you know the that kind of informs where they're going with the 
activism later. It's it's really an interesting kind of thing that goes on there. I think the people that came before us that supported us gave us what we have, right? Yeah. And there is so much that I learned and picked up on from the people along my journeys so far. And it, it almost, it doesn't feel like a duty, but it almost is a duty to make sure that we are giving back what we've received mm-hmm. from from these people. So it's almost just come naturally because if someone wasn't kind enough to give me the support that I needed in, you know, when times were dark or things were difficult or I was struggling to get a job, then I wouldn't be where I am. And now it just feels right to continue that on um yeah. almost like a you know pay it forwards but for... like a, it's like a responsibility almost isn't it yeah if you're part if... of this community you have to do this because it's what we need kind of thing i think so but it never feels like a burden it's not a burden it's no burden it's something things... we do out of out of love for our community totally things get really difficult and really nasty sometimes but it, it always because i know that i'm doing the right thing for the right people it just makes it feel right and not as difficult. What do you think about the current situation in the UK? I mean, it's so there's so many horrible things going on. So we're fighting on so many different fronts as, as an LGBTQ plus community. You know, we're we're, we're trying to stick together. We're, we're fighting across you know political fronts. You know, the gender crits uh, are after us all the time. You know, it's it's difficult. It's really awful, um, and especially when you look into the detail and see the the amount of money that is going on behind these, um, as as we should call them gender critical. I tend to call them transphobic, but I know that trend gender critical is the right same way. Thing. Same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, movements, Thirst, you know, if you want, you know. Yeah, they are receiving thousands from things like American super churches yeah. and and aspects like that and when you look at all the political kind of connections in the background and the far right and the christian far right and mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, that's where the money comes from oh exactly and then there's me on less than thirty thousand pounds just <laughs> kicking up as much noise as i can yeah. Yeah. but so it does sometimes feel like a, a kind of david and versus goliath yeah, sort yeah, of situation but i think you know in every movement that we've seen across the years when we've had to you know whether it was act up whether it was lesbians abseiling into parliament whether it was the fight for race equality or women's votes it's always been the minority versus a very very vocal other minority that seem like this massive group but they're really not and it's it is scary i'm a huge advocate for the fact that we spend a lot of our time fighting with people that aren't going to change their views at the moment. Um, and I think we need to really start to push forwards and be louder than... Yeah, and, and maybe not not bother with talking to them directly, just do our own thing. There's no There's no issue in highlighting what they're up to. I think that's important because actually they need to be held to account. Um, yeah, but what I mean is, you know, I'm having a conversation with you now, and it's going out on a podcast, and you know, we're talking about positive things that we're doing in the community. But, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't want to have a turf on, for example, because or and, and argue with them because that's just a waste of time. Oh, exactly. I, I, I would I mean... much rather spend my energy on doing positive things like this, and you know, rather than fighting online, fighting on Twitter, fighting on Facebook, whatever, you know. Oh, totally, and trying so, to get logic so out of some of them. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like trying to draw blood from a stone, you know, it trying is. to get logical arguments that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they'd say the same about me, but hey, I'm yeah. I'm the one on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, I want you to talk about your your pink megaphone. Well, I know it's not yours, but I did see a picture of, online of you with a large pink megaphone. What was all that about? Yeah, well, that was the uh, band conversion therapy protest um, back in, I think it was April now. Back in London. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like it's common knowledge, but essentially what happened was was that um, four years ago now, in fact, almost five years ago, the, the government via the Queen's speech um, committed to ban conversion therapy. And when that's in the Queen's speech or when anything is in the Queen's speech, it's almost guaranteed to happen but they flipped flopped flip flopped pushed it down the road you know did what they could and then they announced that they were going to complete well leaked so that they could test the waters um that they were going to completely scrap the idea and then that got met with so much backlash that they said oh okay well we'll bring it back for some but we'll leave trans and non-binary people out of it which was just rubbish um so this protest was in direct response to that um, I wasn't involved in sort of the main organization of it, but any opportunity to get up and shout, right? So yeah. you grabbed the nearest pink megaphone you could find. I, I did indeed. Stood up on a wall um, and shouted about the fact that, um, you know, we're often so focused on, um, and a lot of this was focused on binary trans people, which is really important. But actually, I really wanted to get up there and represent for some non binary equality too, you know. Yeah. Actually, even if we out sort outlawed um, conversion per- therapy for um, lesbian, gay, bi, and trans people, non-binary people aren't even legally recognised under the law. So how do you do that, and without us even being there in, in law? Um, and I've advocated for the fact that our local PCC is um, actively um, yeah. making remarks that might be deemed transphobic. Um, yeah, we'll come on. We'll come on to the the Surrey Police PCC, Lisa Townsend, in, in just a just a minute. I was, mm. I was just wanting to, you know, your 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 pink megaphone moment, really really good. But wasn't that around the same time that the government was trying to do that um, conference, that um, safe to be me conference thing? Yes, and that I think that was the, you know, the fact that Boris decided to not include transgender in the ban was the thing that triggered the downfall of that safe to be me conference i think it was the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. i think and all the big organizations all started pulling out of it didn't they yeah i think from day one it was hypocritical when you look at things like um our ilga europe rating for lgbt equality has slipped back and back and back consistently yeah. we had the biggest jump that we've had this this time round. um so for us to host a conference as a country telling people well, this is how you do equality well when boris has just said by the way we're not we, we tried to ban we tried to stop the uh the ban on conversion therapy and then we brought it back minus the transgender people i mean how do you then go from that position into a a conference well, supporting us and telling us that we're safe it's like ridiculous it's like- i mean he- he was on a mini go round the entire um, time anyway so he didn't have a clue what he was standing for i don't think who advised this guy he's like well we know who that's the problem the equalities minister at the time uh, <laughs> but um well the the the, mo- the most recent ex uh, prime minister that one i think so they change so often i can't remember <laughs> at this point um occurrence. 
Oh, totally. So it was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, but it never should have happened in the first place. Mm. And I was pretty much ready to get out in a bikini bottom and tank top or whatever it is he said <laughs> to, to protest outside the front of it to stop people going in. Um, luckily, I, I guess that was probably not very palatable for the media. So we did a different protest. <laughs> yeah. You're also um, you're a plant enthusiast, aren't you? Oh, I am indeed. I've seen lots of pictures of plants and you actually have three behind you at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I have 36 house plants in total <laughs> in a tiny one bedroom flat. Um, it's for me, it's actually a form of mindfulness. So Is people... it just a hobby to kind of take your, take your mind off all the other stuff that's going on? It sounds weird, but I can completely lose myself in doing something like taking care of a plant. So I have a, um, a pophos which is like a, a type of ivy almost um and it's about 12 foot long and it grows all the way up my stairs behind me and you know something like t- un- unwinding it and cleaning the leaves and repotting the plant in the soil could take a couple of hours but when i'm really stressed or i've had a really bad day or you know the hate comments online have got too much to me it's yeah. an amazing way to just reset and lose yourself in doing something else and that's where it's that's why the the obsession sort of started it's got out of hand so i guess an obsession. <laughs> oh yeah 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 i mean it was a coping mechanism now i'm not sure what it is <laughs> um but it's yeah, a good it's fun. A whole new career who knows Oh well, if you know if this doesn't work out for me, uh, look out for me in a garden center. Like I recently um spent over a hundred pounds on a really small cutting of like literally a one leaf cutting of a really wow. rare plant, and uh, my partner didn't speak to me for about a day. You didn't, you didn't that. kill it, did you? No, it's still here, it's just about. about. But in the moment, it was so exciting, and you know. And now I'm like, oh, why did I spend that sort of money on something? It's just green. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money to spend on a cutting. It to. is. And I know it is. Um, I guess everyone needs something that makes them happy. Yeah. So no, that, that's I mean, my argument. This is, I mean, it goes kind of goes back to that thing we were talking about earlier, arts and crafts and things. Mm. I think it's really important that we, you know, as LGBT people, you know, we're fighting with who we are a lot of the time and what's going on in the country and politics and all that stuff. We we tend to forget about the things that we enjoy doing and really need to focus on those. You know, I remember when I, when I was going through transition, I kind of dropped a lot of interests and things because I didn't know how I was going to do them in the future. Mm-hmm. But recently I've been getting back into them because, it, you know, it's things I enjoy doing. Why should I stop doing them? Well, exactly. You know, it's, yeah. So, and outside of that, I, I'm a huge baker as well. Oh, that's so another, that's another thing. I was, I mean, yeah. lockdown. I became a bread baker. You know, so I was quite lucky. I um I studied at college for two years, and I did hospitality and catering. Oh right, so, so you had some proper skills then. Yeah, and <laughs> the only thing I took away from it really was the baking aspect of it. Um, I do all sorts of fancy weird cakes but again it's it's an opportunity to lose yourself and it passed a lot of time during lockdown although yeah. um, it got to the point when I was asked to stop making sourdough because all of my neighbors had some and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean I was making all kinds of stuff bread cakes yeah really it was really uh kept us going didn't it through lockdown 
All right. So the last topic I want to talk about now, this is not the greatest of topics, but it was the the one the one we just skipped a few minutes ago. It's the PCC for Surrey, Lisa Townsend. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I know you've been posting stuff online about what's going on there. Could you explain what was happened and, you know, without getting us both sued? Um... <laughs> yeah. So back, oh gosh, about a year ago or so, um, Lisa Townsend, who's Police and Crimes Commissioner for Surrey, yeah. um, actually spoke at the LGB Alliance conference um so we knew that for a very long time that she hasn't been very trans inclusive um in her views and it's something that i was committed to monitor because with blossom being all about safe sober spaces um i'm really conscious that how can anywhere in sorry be considered safe yeah, i mean that is your home to isn't it so exactly so how can anywhere be considered safe if you don't have a force police force behind you that will take crime towards trans and non-binary people seriously. So what was the kind of theme that she was talking about at LGBA conference? Um, she I true, conference. She, she was, was at, at conference. yeah, and spoke. So this was the previous one, so not the most recent conference. Okay, the one last year. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of the clips from the conference. This was um, the one with the dinosaurs and the, and the, and the lame disco, right? Yes, yeah, the, the five people at person disco. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch any of it because I didn't have the mental capacity to sit down and watch hours upon hours of hateful mm-hmm. comments because you can read them on Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's nothing groundbreaking, honestly. Like there's nothing that you've not heard before. Um, but the the gist of it was around um basically packaging up um the dislike for trans people in a way that was protecting women than girls um and sort of spinning it in a way that doesn't directly say that trans people pose a threat but saying that to protect women and girls you have to exclude trans people so of course so the usual nonsense yes yeah exactly so it's painting trans people out to be a threat um i mean that's really shocking to hear that coming from someone who is a pcc oh uh yeah exactly you know if that person i mean these are elected people so they can be removed you know, I would advise anybody to not vote for people who do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, it's really shocking to, you know, to think that somebody in a responsible position like that can hold negative views towards a minority. Yeah, and I mean, look, I'm a Democrat. If she was elected on, well, actually, I'm a socialist, but hey, if she was elected on a campaign that said, "I'm going to do everything in my power to upset trans people." then, okay, I would still be fighting against it, but at least I would respect the fact that she was democratically elected on that. Yeah, Her election campaign promises were all around the protection of women and girls. So things like making sure that there were lights, lampposts along canal, canals, things like that. So I feel as if during the election, we were misled and so many people in Surrey didn't see her um her for what she was actually going to end up campaigning for and i know a lot a lot of trans and non-binary people in surrey voted for her because what she was running for and standing for we we truly believed in um and then of course you see that that's not the reality but there's no way to tell that at the time so i know a lot of my friends really beat themselves up for voting for her but actually you know what can you do 
you, no, you know, once you've voted him and elected, it's hard to undo it, isn't it? Well, exactly. So knowing all of that, I keep my like, ears close to the ground. You know, I, I speak to contacts that I have to see what's going on. Um, I um, do a lot of keeping my eyes on hate crime stats, aspects like that. And we found out that there had been something ridiculous, like a 52% increase in hate crimes reported in Surrey. And one of the largest jumps in percentage in that group was um, hate crime towards trans and non-binary people being reported. So when you consider it like that, yeah. that's, that's, there's a direct correlation, yeah, there I, mean, I personally feel. And, okay, it might not be directly her fault because, of course, there is so much online but she's certainly in my eyes feeding into some of it i mean you don't we don't know where she's getting this kind of information from and who's feeding it to her whether it's from herself we don't know but well i we... mean it, it's really disturbing that somebody in a position like that <clears throat> would start to come out with what is you know what we know to be you know anti-trans sentiment it's, mm-hmm. you should not be in that kind of position especially mm-hmm. you know you know dealing with the police because that 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 kind of sets the scene for how the police officers operate and what what do they think when they hear that kind of language so it's something i'm really passionate about and i have worked i I haven't worked with the police but i definitely communicated with the police to make sure that things that trans and non-binary people are taken seriously and is this this, you're doing this through through blossom are you uh, this is more me personally, personally to be honest yeah. with you. Okay. And, and you know, I can assure people now that the police treat trans and non-binary related hate crimes in the exact same way that they would treat a hate crime reported under any other protected characteristic. Right. Whether or not you believe that that's well <laughs> is a whole other kettle of fish. But the police, she influences the police and she has yeah. power. But actually, the police are still bound by the law of the country and they have to as govern is, them. As is she. Yeah along to that so knowing that it's a huge relief to me but i still was really keen to see what was going on so um i tried to put in a foi freedom of information request under an under an alias um of her office and they refused because i didn't use an alias so um phoenix who is a dj on trans radio uk and also runs um lgb of the t on twitter yeah um basically said well send me what you what you've requested um and i'll put it through instead because i wasn't really sure about putting my name out there just because of everything that i do mm-hmm. um phoenix offered which props to her i wasn't brave enough but um we got through these emails um and we asked for things like any correspondence between um the police and crime commissioner from her official email address and with the lgb alliance saint um, fair cop sex matters any of the big ones yeah. only one email came back but it showed that there was some sort of relationship between her and the um, lgb alliance which um you know I mean, I'm not surprised if I was her, I wouldn't email them off of my work email either. Um, but there is one, and it was talking about um, males competing in female sport categories and sort of compares um, trans women to an appropriation of gender. Things so like referring that. to trans women as males and all that kind of... Yes, going yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then thanking the LGB Alliance for all of their support and ending her email off with a kiss. So, you know... 
um, showing some sort of connection there. So um, I, I read that and thought, no. So uh, I tweeted it out. Um, and in fact, I did a couple of media interviews around it today because right. I think it's important that people know that this is what she's saying. So, so once you get an FOI back, mm. the results of it back, are you then free to do anything you like with that info? It's in the public domain. The public domain, yeah. That's what yeah. So any public organisation can receive a freedom of information request. So, you know, that's universities, that's police, that's anyone like that. And the piece So anybody listening to this could put in their own FOIs on this same topic and, yeah. and, and ask whatever questions they want and should get should get official responses. Yeah. So there's a fantastic tool called What Do They Know? And it, it sends it to them for you. Um, so all you do is write a message, just like instant messaging, and they're legally bound to respond to the request. Um, and if they don't respond to the request in a way that you believe is fair, so there are exemptions, they can withhold information, but if you disagree with it, you can challenge that, you can challenge it twice, once where they do an internal review and the second time it actually goes to the IE, uh, Information Commissioning Office to argue. And um, we didn't have to, because this the first, you know, they came back with this email, they only came back with one email, which I'm surprised by, but they still came back with the email. Um, they also came back with documents showing that there had been an investigation from the advisory panel into her conduct. But saying that her conduct was appropriate, I don't understand how referring to, so she referred to a uh, transgender female who was partaking in a sport as a man, a male, and she did that advertently. They did a particular athlete. Um, I strongly believe that that is misgendering it is. And, and purposeful misgendering you know you yeah. didn't um but the panel found that that wasn't the case um and you know i don't know what the process was behind that but it shows that there wasn't um oh i don't really know how to say it it shows that there wasn't an outcome that any trans and non-binary person would believe is fair. So I I felt like it's now in the public domain. It's important yeah. the public see it. So yeah, I, yeah. I have shared it no, and that's, that's um, good. I'm hoping to make some noise because come next year at election time, I want people who are not really involved in the conversation to just see and see if that's what they yeah i mean it's important to see the truth you know behind these things that are going on you know if your pcc is attending lgb alliance conference that's something that you should know about well exactly you know if it's an organization that's considered a hate group in what two countries yeah and do the people of surrey want someone representing them who is supporting an organization class as a hate group in two different countries um I don't think I, I definitely don't. So I just want people to be aware of that and to question fundamentally if that's who they think is the right person. Yeah, I mean, shine shine the light of, um, you know, shine the sun on it, see the truth. You know, that's what we need to do. Exactly. And we've gone from having a PCC who's a gay man to um, the current PCC. And I think that's a huge culture shock. And I, I don't think people expected it to be what it is, but I think that if you if you're involved in you know the the circles the LGBT circles, you've seen it, you know, 
Well, um, I think you're doing the right thing by, you know, making it known. I mean, that's that's a good thing that you're doing. It needs to be known. We need to know about these things. Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll see what comes of it. I mean, I, I'm i hoping that I've done things fairly enough that I'm not going to get in huge trouble. But um, all I'm really well, doing I mean, it is sounds like you, in the public domain. You're legally entitled to do, and you've published it, and it, that's fine because it's public knowledge anyway. So you've, I mean, you've not done anything wrong, have you? Well, exactly. And you look at um, the EHRC whistleblowing done by Vice News. Yeah. That was mostly obtained through FOIs. Yeah, so. I mean, that was you know Steph's place were involved in that. Um, there was a podcast we did on that actually on that topic. So yeah, I'm fully aware of what happened there. Um, very similar very similar kind of thing you know do an foi find the information it's fact mm-hmm. and then you, you you know you can you can publish it yeah totally and I mean, yeah i mean ben from um vice news did did some really good articles on that absolutely and i think all i want from an outcome of it really is for her to Mm, I, I guess for the PCC's business to remain professional and yeah. to ensure that it's providing fair protections for everybody. I don't care what her personal views are. Yeah, I mean, are. if it's just a personal view, I mean, that's fine. As long as it doesn't affect the work of the police, that's my concern. Exactly. And if it's coming from an official PCC email address, then it clearly is some way involved yeah. in the work. Yeah. And that's what concerns me. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were we were go- we were going to just try and finish on a high, and we 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 kind of finished on a low there, didn't we? But anyway, <laughs> but it was great. It was great having you on and chatting. And thanks for you know explaining everything you did. It's really nice to have you come on and you know explain all that stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting today. Yeah, it's great. So. Um, dear listeners, if you if you liked our little chat, please subscribe and uh, stay tuned for the next gripping episode. Um, I'll sign us off there. Oscar, it was really nice to have you on. Thanks again and speak to you soon.